Hello and a warm welcome to this edition of the Africa Legal Podcast. Today's podcast is taking a slightly different format in that I am going to be quite the guinea pig. Uh, additionally, I am welcoming an Africa Legal Podcast veteran back to the show, Jenny Canal, who regular listeners will recall as a previous conversational partner of mine when we looked at resilience in the legal profession, specifically during these strange COVID times. For this episode, we're going to do a teaser of sorts for an upcoming resilience and mindfulness training course, which is being run by Jenny, along with the wonderful team at the University of Cape Town Law at Work program. We're going to conduct a live mini training session whereby I will be running through some exercises with Jenny, which you too can join in when listening to this podcast once it is hosted. It's also worth noting that even if you can only hear us, we are currently connected via video to ensure that I can derive the same benefit as those that will take the, the course. Uh, a little detail on the upcoming courses. These are eight-week courses, and they work incrementally to grow our mindfulness muscles and sustain our own practice within a network of group support. In the group sessions, everyone's contribution will be valued, and together you'll be able to learn, share, and grow your own resilience and sense of equanimity. The courses are highly experiential, which means you'll be doing mindfulness exercises and holding discussions in small breakouts and larger groups. Training takes place over a two-hour period each day with a 15-minute break for a well-deserved snack or cup of tea, all of which is done via the wonders of technology in the comfort of your own homes. There will be two eight-week courses running, all of which will take place between 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. South African time. Uh, the first training dates will be across April 12th to May 31st, and the second eight-week mindfulness and resilience course will be available from uh, June 10th to July 29th. Uh, now back to this episode, and I will say I have no prior information on what we're going to run through today, uh, so I'm just going to say, Jenny, over to you. Thanks so much, Tom, and thank you to everyone who's listening in and welcome to all your listeners. What Tom and I are going to do is have a session. And as he said, it's wonderful to be able to also see each other, which will be part of the program. So what I'm going to invite you to do right now is a resilience practice. And um, I'm not going to say too much. I'm just going to guide you through it. And we're going to do it twice over and we'll have a little discussion in between. But for now, what I would suggest you to do, and I'm going to do it with you, and I invite all our listeners to do as well, is just notice um, how you seated wherever you are right now. Um, you may be, you know, sitting on your couch listening to this, or you may be sitting a little bit uh, more formally as, as Tom and I are on, at our desks. Whichever way, I'm going to ask you to just sh shuffle around a little bit and see if you can get uh, comfortable in the way that you're sitting. And the way to do this is to also just, um, you know, kind of find a posture that really offers you a, a sense of comfort, a sense of stability. Just do this in your own way, in your own time. And I'm going to invite you all to just take some deeper, gentle, Relaxing breaths. 
in your own time, in your own way. So some people like to keep their eyes closed. Some people prefer to keep their eyes open. Any which way do you find is helpful for you. And all I'm going to do is just invite you to kind of notice where your attention is at at the moment. All we're doing is just noticing how we're feeling, the kind of thoughts that are coming up. Just being present to all of it. And now I'm going to invite you to gather your attention around your body sensations. Make that the focus of your attention. Because we tend to have what we call a negativity bias, we usually the mind usually takes us firstly to all the aches and pains. So just go there. It happens naturally. And just notice where you might be feeling any aches or pains. And get, pay it a little bit more attention, the type of sensation. Is it sharp, constricted? Look at the quality of that sensation. And letting go of this, also notice if you can, just spreading your attention now a little bit further away from the aches and pains that we normally see as unpleasant, notice as unpleasant, and see if you can at this point notice any kind of neutral sensations where your perhaps part of your body feels absolutely neutral, normal. Maybe it's your elbow that feels neutral, just as it is. And you can extend this attention to any pleasant sensations within the body. And there's no need to create anything, we're just noticing that we can have a multitude of sensations in any given moment. So just letting go of the thinking part and just actually feeling into the body sensations, just as they are. And as we end off, I'm going to just simply ask you one question. And I'm going to invite you all to think about it. When you notice unpleasant sensations, those aches and pains that are common to all of us, what is your habit? What is your habit pattern? Mine, Jenny, would be, I think, ignore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, I'm going to ring the little gong just to mark the end of that short little practice and invite you all to open up your eyes.
And we're going to refer back to, to that experience and your habit patterns because that's really where it's all at, you know. What do we do? What do we do habitually with our bodies and how does that impact our nervous system? And, um, and just thank you for being so honest. Yeah, ignoring is one and denial is one of our biggest habits. Um, there's never time to really attend to things. Um, and then what is the impact of this? So, Tom, just to start us off, and uh, what I'm wanting to do is just to find out, you know, we're talking about resilience today. Um, just your sense of how would you define resilience, not any kind of Oxford Dictionary says, but for you, you know, like if you speaking to your, you know, four-year-old or five-year-old, how would you, how would you define it? How what is you it know, like for you? It's I'm probably not going to be able to offer the most neutral of viewpoints because, given our you know history and the fact that this resilience training has been on my mind, I, I've been giving it more thought than I, I naturally would. So I'll, yeah. I'll kind of put myself in a pre-Jenny Tom. <laughs> And then I'll say post-Jenny Tom. So pre-Jenny Tom would definitely refer to resilience as putting up with, ah. soldiering on, yeah. ignoring. Whereas post-Jenny Tom is definitely more in a mindset of, of the spring, of bouncing back, of, of managing in a healthy acknowledgement-based manner rather than in an ignoring base. But, but, but being very mm. honest, coming at it from a – a lay person for want of a better word yeah. and certainly no expert in resilience would definitely be more focused on the the soldiering on and the the yeah. terrible british expression of stiff upper lip um <laughs> yeah that's that that's certainly my my take <laughs> that's wonderful and you've what a, a really you know the, the the our kind of beliefs and assumptions and so forth really do uh, come from our conditioning and and shape the way we we view things and understand things and that's why I opened this question and thank you for being so honest and and kind of reflecting on how you think about it you know um, and this is the important part is that for a lot of us we kind of grow up with the sense that we've got a soldier on and we've just got to move through things and it's usually that sense of mind over matter you know mm-hmm. and when we have mind over matter we have a disconnect between mind and matter between our what's going on in our thinking mind and our body and that's actually where we are out of resilience that actually happens when we do that we actually make ourselves very ill so i'm going to give you an example of uh, richie david who has been working uh, with the Dalai Lama, actually, as a top neuroscientist in resilience and i give this as a reference for anyone to look at his work And how he describes it is this, that resilience is our ability to bounce back from adversity. And we are continuously going through adversity. You don't have to think of adversity as something huge and big, any trigger. So today you could be triggered by a memory, you know, it can be internal or external. And our resilience is about being able to acknowledge that, feel that, right? And remain regulated. So the opposite of not being resilient is when we, you know, that trigger is with you now, you know, two hours late at lunchtime and perhaps into the afternoon and you're still discussing it with someone and now you're dreaming about it and the next day you wake up with it. And what happens here is that you get stuck and he describes it beautifully. He says you get stuck in the kind of hyper or 
you get stuck in the hypo. So in the highs and the lows of it. And what happens is you dysregulate your nervous system. So the highs is, you know, is a hyper state is when you, you know, you remain frustrated, agitated, angry or anxious, fearful. And the low states are, of course, a bit sad, exhausted, depleted, depressed. And when we stay in those zones, we are out of resilience. And it actually takes only a short minute to get back into resilience to regulate our nervous system. So I'm very, very uh, happy. That, that really you... resonates. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what, what's even more exhausting is when you find yourself, particularly in these strange times, fluctuating between those yeah. two states, hyper and hypo. And it's yes. bad enough when you find yourself stuck in one of them. Yeah. But speaking from personal experience, I certainly find myself dramatically swinging between the two. Yes. And I feel like that can be even more exhausting uh, you know, than, than just being located in one. Exactly. And you know, Tom, the thing is with the, the kind of ignoring or I'll get to it later, what we tend to do is not regulate our nervous system in the moment. And when that happens, um, you are actually, what happens is that, you know, we've got this brain and nervous system that works in three parts, the brainstem, uh, the, uh, which is really, you know, our threat system. Then we have the middle part, which is our limbic system, our emotional regulatory system, and the prefrontal cortex, which is our executive functioning. They work together. When you are in this out of resilience zone, in the threat system, the important thing to realize here is that cortisol is being continuously released. Adrenaline is being continuously released. So it affects your sleep, affects your stress, and it causes inflammation in the body, which leads to illness. So important to know that when you have aches and pains in the body, it's a great thing to know it because, you know what, if it's persistent, it's a protective mechanism. It's fantastic because you can go and see someone about it. You might actually have uh, something wrong, you know, in your vertebra, like right now, I've got aches and pains in my back. But if um, it's continuously going, and then there's an emotional attachment to it, um, and thinking patterns attached to it, and you keep regurgitating, and it keeps you keep ruminating over it over and over and over again, it shows that you're out of resilience. And we can get the, th the brain back into regulation within a minute. And that's really what I wanted to speak to you about today because this resilience practice that I'm going to do with you now is called tracking and it's really our, our ability to in any given moment and this is the beauty um, we do this anyway unconsciously but now we're going to make it conscious right and it's our ability to really track and regulate our nervous system in the moment and uh, so I'm going to take you back to that initial exercise do you remember what I um, was highlighting. I got you into a comfortable position. You asked, I asked you to get into a comfortable position to notice what would, whatever was happening, and then to gather your attention around what. Did did we start with aches and pains, or is that me that, showing right. myself up? <laughs> no, no, fantastic. So it was gathering our attention around our sensations, right? So this is the important part to know before we we now do the tracking, is that the sensations are the language of the nervous system. And this is really the key to understanding it all. So um, as I discussed, we have this brain that has three parts, right? But the only thing that's, that's in operation when you are re 
feel threatened when you're out of your resilient zone is the brainstem. And this is the interesting part. It's pre-verbal, pre-thinking, pre-cognitive. This is not to do the executive part of the brain. <laughs> so you cannot tell yourself, calm down. It doesn't work. That's why we get irritated when people tell us, just calm down. You know, because that's not the way we regulate our nervous system. The way we regulate our nervous system is actually through body sensations. So body sensations are the signals. Remember at one point I said to you, let's let go of the thinking and feel into it. Because body sensations are what signal to the nervous system. We're, we're safe and we're okay. So um, in this tracking practice that I'm going to lead you through, it's very easy. You'll notice that the mind has this negativity bias to protect you, right? So it'll always go there. It'll take you to whatever's feeling difficult, whatever's painful. If we stay focused on that, you're sending signals to the brain, I'm unsafe. I'm not okay. And that's what releases the cortisol and keeps that going. But if you then expand your focus, and remember that we have a multitude of experiences and sensations at the same time. We tend to forget about it because we're so focused on that aches and pains. So we can expand our awareness now. And this is the wonderful thing, Tom. Any neutral and pleasant sensations, if you focus on that for 40 seconds, it sends signals, the body sensations themselves send signals to the brainstem to say, I'm okay. I'm safe. And you and will... I'm going to jump. I want to jump yeah. on that 40 yeah. second point, Jenny, because yeah. you know that most of our listeners will be lawyers and lawyers yeah. engaging with things like mindfulness, meditation, yeah. resilience training, their yeah. automatic default position is to say, who has time for that? <laughs> so I'm going to once again, repeat what was just said, which is 40 seconds worth of exercise can help regulate you and make you a calmer person, a better lawyer. Calm lawyers are better lawyers. So I'm, just, I'm not going to dwell on that for too long, but let's just make that shout out and say anyone that would look us in the eye and say, I don't have time for that. You are wrong. You, you do have time wrong. for that. So, so with that in <laughs> with that in mind, I'll hand back to Jenny and say, yeah. "Look, I'm Guinea Pig Tom is here and ready. Let's <laughs> let's track. So let's let's do it, and then let's find ways to bring it into our lives daily, right? So that we can help our listeners um, in in the process of their day, and then we can think that through and and offer some suggestions because that's really what we can do for each other is help each other. All right, fantastic, Tom. So, what I'm going to suggest is that. Just even in this moment, I'm going to give you and me an opportunity to actually just stand up. And this is absolutely key. Uh, movement um, regulates. You know, most of us, when we're sitting for, uh, you know, in a place for too long, unconsciously we'll get up and we will, you know, move and stretch because and sit in a more comfortable position. And this is us unconsciously sending signals to the brain to say, I'm safe, I'm okay. So we do this anyway, but we're not doing it consciously. And you need to do it consciously for it to be effective. So let's go for it. Okay. So this is just my podcast this... first. I'm I'm gonna stand then. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So just you know what? Just get a, a a sense of you are the master of your own body, and just get a sense of just moving in any way that's gonna bring any kind of relief, 
from the posture that you had a few minutes ago. Just some gentle, gentle movements. And I'm going to invite you and our listeners, when you're ready, to just I am limbered. I am limbered up. That in itself was enjoyable. <laughs> just taking that a break. Enjoyable. I must have been. I must have been sat in this chair for at least an hour, working this Tom, morning. You see, so, so really I'm going to put that point, as a challenge. It? I'm going to put that as a challenge for you for the rest of your day. <laughs> Is this where the standing desks come in? I have Absolutely. a brother-in-law with a standing desk and he swears by it. So I might I might have to look into that. But Absolutely. right, I'm I'm limbered and I am guinea pigged. Let's crack on. <laughs> All right. So what we're gonna do now is I want you to think about, you know, when you get home at the end of a working day, the way you would breathe. <laughs> And for most of us, that's that ah, that extended exhalation. So I'm going to invite you to take some nice, deep, gentle breaths the way you would normally do when you want to feel at ease and relax and let go. And again, once again, just invite you wherever you may be, sitting or lying down today, just to notice the points of contact that offer you support offer you a sense of comfort. And to once again, just gather our attention on the physical sensations. Let your body guide you. Just noticing any aches and pains. And this time, Tom, I'm going to invite you to just name where you are feeling any aches and pains. Certainly some in the uh, the lower back, the right upper shoulder. All right, so what we're going to do is acknowledge that that's there. That's our body's protective mechanism, and it's letting us know what is happening in this moment in the body. Yeah? And now I'm going to ask you, Tom, to just move your attention to less unpleasant sensations. So to areas surrounding those areas of pain. Just do it gently in your own way. After you hear my voice, just allow yourself to feel into it. So you let go of the thinking. And gently bringing your focus into potentially more neutral areas. So if you've mentioned your left knee, Check out your right knee. Maybe that feels more neutral. And just rest your attention on that other knee. You can also move your attention to any area in the body. It feels absolutely okay, feels normal, feels neutral. For me right now, that's my elbows, my forearms. Just feel into that. And we'll end off by just noticing now, in this moment, any pleasant sensations. So I had a lovely cup of tea earlier, and I still have a lovely aftertaste, and that feels pleasant for me. 
And I'm going to invite you, Tom, to, if you can, name any pleasant sensations right now for you that might be occurring. Well, I decided to turn the uh, the heating up, and so my hands feel calm mm. and warm and very mm. pleasant indeed. And just just so our listeners are aware, I am in a very cold United mm. Kingdom at the moment. So excuse the heating <laughs> reference for anyone lucky to be in warmer climes. <laughs> so Tom, I'm going to engage you in that. So um, I'm going to focus now on the sensations in my mouth and I'm going to invite you just for a moment to really drop the thinking and just engage with those sensations that are pleasant for you in this moment. Really allow yourself to feel them. And as we end off, I'm just going to invite you to just notice before we started the exercise how you were feeling and how you're feeling now. There's a, a clarity of, of thought. Um, mm -hmm. I would say that I'm far more focused on the enjoyable physical mm -hmm. sensations um, than the, the, the negative I'm sure it's uh, psychosomatic to a degree, but what isn't? Um, yeah. That I'm not actually dwelling on any kind of discomfort. I'm actually just more focused on, hey, you know what? My my hands do feel really nice. Yeah. Um, it was nice to turn the heating up. And it's quite a, I'll be very honest, it's quite a perception shift because yeah. it's so rare, I think, that in our daily lives we ever do dwell on what's truly you know what sensations are pleasant because we feel like all of our time is taken up by dwelling on what's unpleasant yeah so just forcing myself to move into that recognition of of pleasant sensation mm. rather than negative it does feel like a real breath of fresh air that's wonderful tom and, and what i want to add to that uh, two points you mentioned that you have clarity now what happens is when you regulate your nervous system Right, the prefrontal cortex come on, the thinking part, and that's where we can make decisions and we have clarity. We can't actually do it if we're not regulated. So that's exactly it. You know, regulation it puts you into the resilient zone where you have clarity of mind and you can make decisions. And of course, that's how we want to function. That's the place we want to function from. <laughs> so that's absolutely perfect. And the other thing that you've mentioned, and this is so important in neuroscience, is to understand that because we have this negativity bias. So an example is I go off shopping today uh, into five different um, stores and four experiences are really pleasant and one is unpleasant. What am I going to be chatting about at dinner? The unpleasant one, right? Because we've got to learn from it. So we have this negativity bias. But what happens is that anything that we do to shift our negativity bias, so taking in and savoring um, things that are pleasant, the joy in our lives, the gratitude in our lives, those type of practices actually give us a more balanced point of view. Um, and we actually need them in order to feel a bit more balanced because of the mind's tendency to have this negativity bias. So it's really uh, what you've brought up is so on par. And uh, and what I wanted to come to, because I wanted to talk about um, emotion regulation and how we could do that and the practice of gratitude. But before that, you mentioned something about um, how can we do this um, and how can we help our listeners? And as you say, 
the main audience here are lawyers. We both have that background too. So what are the suggestions right now that you can think of? Because it really, you know, you can do this within 40 seconds um, and regulate your nervous system and come back into focus, come back into decision-making, um, come back into clarity. And, and for a lot of us, we might have to be doing this a lot during the day, but that's what that's what neuroplasticity is about. You know, we become what we practice. So are we going to practice kind of ignoring uh, our nervous system and, uh, and the potential of becoming quite ill? Or are we going in the, mo- in the moment to take care? So that's really the big question. And um, just last week, I was running this practice with um, some doctors and nurses at the hospital, frontline workers. And we said, how can we bring this into your daily life? And we had so many suggestions. Um, one of the doctors offered up, you know, in between patients when I'm, when I'm finished washing my hands. And, you know, with COVID now, everyone's washing their hands and just checking out and regulating his nervous system to be able to be present for the next person, to be able to, for himself, to have clarity and to move on to the next phase, you know. Someone mentioned, um, when I go and sit in the loo, <laughs> you know, I'm going to just regulate my nervous system. So I'm just going to put it to you, you know. Um, what do you think could be helpful for our audience, for, for lawyers in the courtroom, um, when they make deliberations, reading? I feel like the the most important thing for us to to kind of acknowledge as a profession is the the benefit. Let's start with the fact that of all the professions out there, look, you've talked about your work with the medical profession. How vital is it that a doctor enters that next consulting yeah. room with calmness and clarity and the baggage of the previous yeah. patient has been left behind? Now, there's always parallels being drawn with doctors and lawyers, some for better, some for worse. Yeah. But let's face it, when it's our job to give calm, measured, sensible advice, we're probably a profession that needs to regulate our nervous and emotional status more than more than many others. So my first kind of call out to our audience is recognize the relevance here. Recognize that this is something which is incredibly pertinent to making you Mm. a better and more enjoyable to work with legal practitioner. When it comes to fitting things in, we can all do it. We almost, I'm talking from experience, I don't know, Mm. sometimes I take some macabre pleasure in the fact that I'm smashing from one task to the next, to the next, to the next, and you're just going, I'm exhausted that I'm smashing from one thing to the next to the next. Look, Mm. everyone has got that 30, 40, 50 seconds in between Mm. smashing from one task to the next, and you never know. Instead of smashing, we might start transitioning. We might start calmly approaching. We might start moving from one task to the next in a a far better manner than we currently are, Um, whether it's between seeing clients, whether it's between phone calls, um, whether it's when we're moving to tabulate our billables, mm. let's let's find the time because it is there, and I think the relevance and the the, the necessity of doing this is is there as well. So that's my bullying tactic for our profession: is <laughs> it's worth it, and there's time to do it. Um, and look, we gave a shout out to the course at the start of this this podcast. Um, if you want to make your life even easier, 
the courses are there to do that. You know, the, the, the training and we talk about the muscle, you know, yeah. this is all about building up our mindfulness muscle. So shameless shout out once again there, Jenny. I think if people are really excited by this, either take what you've learned from this podcast and just apply that to your own life. Um, or if you really want to kind of deep dive on this, we've opened up a, a new door for you. That's exactly what the course is is there to do as well and take yeah. you forward. Thank you so much, Tom. And, you know, um, during this COVID period, I've offered a lot of resilience up and I've been amazed at seeing so many people um, from the legal background actually taking it up. Um, um, even members of parliament, just because they are so stressed. And how do we cope with our stress? Well, we learn to regulate our nervous system. And as you saw, <laughs> we can do it with our kids, we can do it with ourselves. And it's all about um, being prepared to take care of oneself. You know, you can't take care of others if you can't take care of yourself. So it really comes down to that. And uh, what I'd love to do now is just end off with... Um, just with a gratitude practice, because I'm feeling very grateful for being here today. And what I wanted to, to, to share with you is that the secret to happiness is really having gratitude. And it's been shown there's so much science to it. That's really what provides us with this chemical cocktail within seconds in the brain of the endorphin, serotonin, and the, and the, and the um, oxytocin that makes us feel fantastic. That's stronger than morphine, by the way. Uh, and the serotonin is what people use in all the antidepressants. And we have it naturally in our brain when we are feeling content, when we feel gratitude. Um, so one practice that I can share, I'd love to um, just say, you can ask yourself that question um, every day, you know, at the end of the day, maybe around your family, you know, what am I grateful for? And just share with your family, you know, and that includes taking in, you know, what's difficult, but being there for each other and seeing what is it in our lives they're really grateful for? And what I wanted to um, really share with you today is the interdependence um, gratitude practice that I'd love you to engage in because I know you're going to enjoy this. And again, it's one of those perspective uh, changing practices, just like how you mentioned earlier, you know, just shifts the way you think about things and how you perceive things. It's such a mind opening practice. So I am um, going to talk about a cup of tea. And I'm going to ask you this, Tom. <laughs> um, this is a thing I have often, you know, um, a lovely cup of tea. I know it's also the English thing to do, to have a lovely cup of tea. Um, I don't know if it's oh, your no, thing. I am. I am very much <laughs> on the tea. tea I, I'm, 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 no, I'm somewhat of a, um, uh, uh, a traitor to the British sensibilities around tea. And I'm a bit of a, like, green tea, peppermint tea, oh, yeah. lemongrass, like oh. – uh, you know, wild times um, in the Pearson household. <laughs> so I'm going to include that into our web of interdependence, right? So I'm going to put this to you, my love, and we can do this with any object, and today we'll just take a cup of tea. Um, so I'm going to ask you to think about this cup of tea. And let's just say today you had your green tea or your peppermint tea and so forth. I want you to think about how many people do you think were involved in getting that cup of tea to you? So just take a, a wild guess. Wow. Okay, without dwelling on it too much, I'm going mm -hmm. to I'm going bold and it may well show me up. I'm I'm gonna say two hundred people. Fabulous. So let's take a look at that. 
and let's break it down. So, <laughs> and you can do this with anything. Okay, so let's look at the actual teacup, uh, most probably a ceramic cup. And I want you to think about all the components, all the parts and all the processes around that ceramic cup. So think about it. We need clay. We need <laughs> kilns. We need designers, designers, artists, designers, CAD-CAM. You need shops, stores, transport for it to come to you. That's just the cup. Yeah? We're not even going to tell you the market already feeling already (laughs) feeling quite low. (laughs) Yeah. Now let's go into the water and think of the rain, the dams. Oh, there we go. Irrigation (laughs) system uh, and the tap, you know, the water coming in. Think of your kettle, yeah. all the different components. How did it get to you? I want you to think of the sugar, right? Sugar Ooh, plantations. No sugar for me. No, no sugar for you. <laughs> Asparta may. <laughs> Whatever you're putting in there. Honey, where That's that even more from? complex. Now I've got to be thankful for the bees and the beekeepers. <laughs> and this is wonderful. I'm already. This is wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when we look at any given object, it actually takes millions and millions and millions of people to get that through to you. And we somehow have this um, experience that we are only dependent on a few people that we might be close to or connected to through work, through family. But in reality, we are so interdependent and you wouldn't be able to have a cup of tea or a meal or put on a jacket uh, to keep you warm or you know, put on that heater without the contribution. Yeah of millions and millions of people. So this practice really helps us to get a sense of the interdependence, not just connection, but the dependence that we have on each other. The scale of that dependence. The scale of it. Absolutely. And just to take that in, in any given moment, when we're able to do that, that in reality, there's no real strangers. We're so interdependent that you know, when you're having the next cup of tea or whatever it is, you know, that we're doing in any activity, really lend some thought to that and um, and pay some gratitude to that. Savor that because… Well, Jenny, I've got a fear, you know. Yeah. I've, I feel like for those supply chain management lawyers and risk analysts in our listenership, we may well have opened a tin of worms in that the, uh, the, the boilerplate clauses, and this is me half joking, I think we've just doubled the size of some boilerplate agreements when lawyers start to think about just how many human interactions are on the way to, to delivering something and the the, uh, the risk profile <laughs> that might that might go with that I'm, I'm, I'm half joking but it's a yeah. I think it's a wonderful exercise thank you love and you know what I wanted just to add to that when we are able to do that we can see and be heedful of not just our intended you know making a decision our intended um, let's say consequences, but the unintended ones. And to think more on a systems level, you know, when we have that kind of perspective, um, we can we can then say, right, right, we're going to make this decision. Is it for the? Is it going to benefiting me? Is it benefiting others? And how can I sustain this in the long term by being heedful of its impact? So, just that shift of mind, you know, when we're making decisions, especially as legal people, it's so huge because we can have such a different, broader understanding of how things actually work in reality and the interdependent nature. And of course, we can have gratitude for um, 
what we have in any given moment. Absolutely. And I think lawyers functioning as a nexus in so many different, you know, uh, uh, situations, they are the connection between the purchaser and the, the seller. Um, you know, so many different stakeholders. So I do really encourage all of our listeners to think about that unique and that privileged position in that our behavior as a lawyer in our professional capacity potentially has the a much uh, greater impact than we give ourselves credit for. So let's just think a couple of steps further than just the customer or the client in front of us or the, the colleague in front of us. And just think about how the ramifications of our actions and how a small change to behavior on a consistent basis could actually have dramatically positive yeah. consequences in, in the long term. Um, so that's that's a great lesson. And look, I, I'm 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 going to pull us to a close, Jenny. Um, I think we've given our listeners a, a wonderful mix of 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 activities and thoughts to to process and think about. And I will once again say we're going to give full details of the extended eight week mindfulness and resilience courses because a point to make is this course has already run and the response from in particular the legal community was was fantastic so i do encourage all of our listeners and all of our readers at africa legal to to have a look and see whether this is for you um i would certainly personally endorse it um on the back of the limited uh, exposure that i've had just on this the last 43 minutes um so Jenny, look, I'm going to say thank you once again for today. It's been a real privilege, and I hope that our listeners have, have benefited from from this as much as I have. And yeah, thank you to all of our listeners, as always, um, for all the news, views, and insights that improve your life as a modern African legal professional. Be, for, be sure to visit us at africalegal.com. And without further ado, I have been Tom Pearson, and this has been the Africa Legal Podcast.